Welcome to House Talk with Signature Home Inspection, where we interview experts from the real estate, home renovation, and home repair industries around Southern California to take a deeper dive into topics homeowners really need to know. Let's get started with your host, Scott Knudsen. Hi, we're very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, uh, Kyle Thompson with Trudor Property Management. How's it going today, Kyle? Good. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Good. I appreciate you coming on. So I just wanted to start out with, uh, if you can just tell us a little bit about your company, your name, what you've been doing, um, and how long you've been in the business and what areas you service. Yeah, sure. So I'm Kyle Thompson. I am a co-owner. There's two of us uh, who are owners of Trudor Property Management. And uh, we are located in Orange County. Our office is in Huntington Beach. Uh, but we manage properties all over Orange County, uh, primarily residential uh, and mostly homes, condos, and typically smaller apartment buildings, you know, typically under 50 units is what we what we like to specialize in. Good. Yeah, we were talking briefly before the uh, before we hit record on this, and and I'd uh, recognize the uh, name and the company had changed a little bit, but um, when I uh, oh I would say it's probably three or four years now was actually a client or a tenant I guess you would call it a tenant, and so uh, he does they do a good job. They were under a different company's name at the point at the time, but uh, they did a really good job. So yeah, um, we were previously known as Real Property Management, and then. Irvine Property Management, and we we combined just recently into a new name, Trudor Property Management. But it's the same people, and you know, I'm glad to hear your experience was okay, and you know, hopefully we, you were treated well. That we try to treat our residents the, as well as we can, as, long, as as well as our property, our clients will will kind of you know let us do that. Sometimes they put some handcuffs on what we're able to to do for the tenants because we don't own the properties, but. Uh, we try to make a big point of treating residents well. It's important. The process was really easy because I remember I found it. I think I found the place online. Um, there was a place that you could go. It was like it, something you could log in, get the lockbox code, and I was able to go view. Do you guys still have that process in place? Yeah, yeah. So we're really big on what we call self-show technology. Um, it's really, it's great for us, but it's also great for, you know, potential residents because, you know, you're, you're a, if you're a potential resident and you're looking for a place to rent, uh, trying to schedule a time with a person to, for that person to drive to over, to open the door and show you a home or a condo, or an individual unit. Cause typically, you know, they're not on site because the properties that we are manager homes and condos are not like these huge complexes. So instead of having to organize a, a meeting between two people, which can be very difficult, uh, we have a self-showing technology where we can do some verification of the person of the potential resident or the potential applicant, I should say. And then we can give them electronic access to the property so they can go show themselves. And so, uh, yeah, we still do that. We're big believers in that. And uh, actually, we're doing something pretty cool that um, just recently started doing three six or virtual 360 tours as well. So now a lot of people, we have some people who don't even go to the property. I think that's kind of crazy personally. Like it makes me feel a little uncomfortable 
if they haven't seen it, but some people, they just do the virtual tour online and then they're like, I want it. So to each their Is own. it uh, Matterport that you're using for that? Yeah. Yeah. We use the Matterport for those. Have you guys had some experience with the Matterport? We, um, the guy that I interviewed, um, a couple of days ago, he uses Matterport. He's a photographer. Oh yeah. My company actually bought a camera when Matterport first came out. Mm-hmm. We thought that, you know, wow, we'll use this as a, as a technology that we can possibly offer realtors. The problem was it was very early on. And at the same time, they didn't really need to, I mean, I think pricing was kind of an issue. I don't want to say an issue, but we just didn't know, know where the pricing would be at. I know um, exactly what you're talking about, man. We were dearly adopted too. And that, that pri- and their, their model of pricing was kind of all over the place, right? At the beginning. Well, the cameras are expensive. And then at the same time, as a business, you know, we charge a certain fee for a home inspection. And it's like, why would I go do photography and do this Matterport for $250 when I can use that spot for a home inspection for 500 And it just got to the point to where um, realtors were not really ready for the technology. I don't know if they weren't ready for it. They just yeah. didn't want to have to pay for it. Houses were selling without it. Yeah. Um, so there was just a lot of stuff that, um, I just, at this, we just got to the point and then all of a sudden a new camera came out and it's like, I'm not going to spend another five grand on a new camera. Yeah. So, um, but the technology is amazing. And I, I think especially now it's, it's they've with, with the limited way to show houses with this pandemic, if you don't have a Matterport, you're, you're, you're already behind on the, you know, on that on that property because there's so many people that can access it and they don't need to actually go to the house. They can just screen them out themselves. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. We find that a lot of our, a lot of potential residents, uh, we try to get one on every single property. And if we don't have one, sometimes people will ask for one because some people just aren't comfortable going to see it. And, uh, but some people, you know, whether you're comfortable or not, just the ability to, to, to not have to drive. And, you know, it takes now, you know, it takes you 30 to 45 minutes just to do anything in driving. If you're going to, going to go even, you know, to the next city over. So it's the same as people at time. So yeah, our kind of, our thing is like, yeah, check out the 360 tour. And then if you like what you see, we still want you to go see it in person. Uh, so then go on your own time, get self-verified through our self-showing, go see it. And then uh, we try to make that process really easy for people. So, yeah, yeah we think I it was lucky. Well. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, we actually, I think the place I looked at, well, I'm actually own it now, but uh, I looked at it and it was vacant. So I was able to go over there a couple of times. I think I went over because there's like a uh, time frame, I guess, that you can have it open with that code. And yeah. so, you know, within a few days, I was thinking oh, that's the place. And so I put in the application and it was, you know, approved pretty quickly. So, yeah, with just curious, like for the inspection. So like, what was the thought? Like you do like a, a tour with the inspection and kind of save that for people to view down the line or if there's no, a- we were just as like a separate oh. service. We oh, were going to okay. open like a Matterport, you know, okay, we can do home inspections. We can do mold inspections. We just bought a Matterport camera. So if you want us to go and take the photos for you, I know in some uh, markets in different parts of the country, home inspectors will, will do those signs. They've got a sign business where they can actually, you know, you can order your listing sign that you're going to put out in the yard and you, the home inspector will drive out, put the sign up and there's a, a charge for that. So we were looking at it as like an auxiliary service 
which we did quite a we did quite a few of them enough to make our money back on the camera, but it just got to the point where you know when we were busy, we just didn't have the time to to do them. And you know, push comes to shove, our main core business is home inspections. Yeah, they are they are pretty time consuming. And Scott, sorry, I know you're asking the questions, but I did have a question since you you mentioned yes. home inspection. So I went to your website and saw that you guys not only did like your traditional home inspection, but you also do like mold inspections. Is that, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not involved with a lot of home inspectors, but that, that I don't recall seeing a lot of home inspectors doing mold inspections. Is that something that's new for your industry or for what you guys are doing? Or? I don't think it's new. It's actually become really popular in the last two or three years. Um, there's several that still don't even want to touch it because one, they haven't received the training or looked into it. Uh, they just want to stick with home inspection. Usually those guys are some of your old school, you know, they don't want to do anything else, but home inspections. Yeah. Um, but, but the, uh, with, with this market, you know, with the, I think what happened was when the market took the downturn in 2008, home inspectors, um, needed to diversify. So they couldn't just rely on home inspections. They needed to get into other auxiliary services to offset if there's ever a crash in the market. So now you're seeing home inspectors that are able to do sewer scope inspections. Uh, You can do mold inspections. Uh, We can actually do methamphetamine testing. Uh, We can do radon testing. So there's a whole bunch of different services that we can offer. So our company, what we've done is we started out with home inspections but we've just now broken it out into three divisions to where we have the home inspection division. We have a commercial property inspection division, and then we have like what we call an environmental division where we can do those mold testing. We can do um, the radon and the sewer and all the other inspections as well. So. Yeah. We'll have to check you out for some of those mold inspections. We, we get, you know, we do a number of those things, people, you know, there's a leak that we realize has been there for a long time. And we're like, Oh shoot, nobody, I could, a resident will have lived there for a while and they didn't notice it. Or when we've walked through the property that we, you know, it didn't pop up. So I've seen it on both ends. I've seen it to where the tenant is at fault, but yet they're trying to blame it on the, you know, either property manager or the owner, because like you said, there was a leak and they just didn't say anything. And it's been that way for 10 years or five years. or I mean, sometimes I see these leaks. I'm like, how long has it been that way? And yeah. it's leaked through all three floors. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got mold. It's like, well, that's because of you. Or they don't clean the windows. You know, they, the blinds, you have the mold around the windows. So we see it all. But then at the same time, we get into there where those, those type of tents are like looking to break their lease, for example. Mm-hmm. But we also get into homes where the tenants are like, I've got mold. I can't get my landlord to do anything about it. And they're, you know, they're beating around the bush. We did one the other day where we went out to the property and it's like the, basically on the right hand side of the whole apartment was mold from about three feet up all the way from the, the living room, kitchen, and back to the bathroom. And it was because the sprinklers on the outside of that wall just had been hitting the side of the house all those years. Yeah. And, and the landlord just, oh, just get some Clorox and, you know, chlorine and clean it up. It's like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, you have to remove. I mean, yeah. So we see it on both sides. It's kind of like, you, you know, we, I don't want to say we get in the middle of it, but you know, whoever hires us, hires us, that's who gets the information. We try to, you know, keep it from, you know, we're not trying to keep it from the tenant or keep it from the landlord, but whoever hires us, that's the one that's going to get the report. If they have any questions, they need to go to that person. So it's kind of one of those type of deals. So, 
but yeah, we, that's the division that I'd really like to see grow um, because you can get into, I mean, we just do the testing. We don't do the remediation. So we're like kind of a third party. So, and then you get into these, some of these companies that are doing the remediation, they also need what's called a clearance test. And those are the easiest ones because then you just go out and just basically sign off, you know, before they put everything back together and say, okay, we need a clearance test, um, get the information to the lab and get it back to us so we can put everything back together. So we do those as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're familiar with all of that. We know. (laughs) I'm sure you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's probably a big headache, that mold. Yeah. And I'm blown, I am blown away at some of our, at some property owners, like there's some property owners who, you know, responsible and they're like, Oh, there's mold. Like, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's take care of it. And there's other property owners who are like, Oh, well, it's just a little mold. Well, like it always just starts with a little, like it's never turned out well. Like you don't want to mess with it. You just get it taken care of and just be done with it. So it just grows. So, yeah. So back to you guys um, on the website. So I see discover our services. So I don't know how you want to go through this, but I just want to, you know, go through your services. What sets you guys apart? So I'm looking at property, marketing, tenants, screening, maintenance, rent collection. You want to go through that, you know, some of those processes and then I can ask you some questions. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I I always tell people is, you know, one one property management company to the other, right? It's property management is very, we're all doing the same things, right? So we are, finding tenants. That's the main thing. A lot of our, you know, property owners or clients that come to us, they have a rental home, whether they're intentional investors who purchased that as an investment, or what I call the accidental landlord, landlords who are like, Hey, um, I ended up with this. I inherited it, or I had to move to Florida and I don't want to sell my California real estate or whatever. So they, you know, somehow one way or another, our customer has a need for property management. Of course, they don't want to do it themselves. It's a nightmare to do it yourself. So they turn it over to us. So the first thing is find a tenant. So we put the property on the market, do all the marketing. We already talked a little bit about you know our, how we show them in our marketing tours and all that, which is all pretty cool. Um, we also help the property owners get the properties rent ready as well. So as you can imagine, some people are very busy and they have this property. They don't have time to kind of oversee some of the minor repairs to get it in a serviceable spot. Uh, so we can we arrange all that maintenance for them if they need some paint, some carpet, or maybe they need nothing at all or just a cleaning or whatever. So our team will arrange all that rent ready stuff for them. And then uh, we do all the showings and then obviously the screening of the tenant is extremely important, um, especially in the environment that we're in now where evictions are, you know, basically impossible to do an eviction in for until June, end of June of this year, 2021. So getting the right qualified tenant is like really key uh, right now. So with with that screening, because I know that there's probably, there might be a lot of questions on that. Yeah. Um, Is there... I'm, I'm assuming you guys have like a, a background check system that you're checking because it seemed like when I went through your process, it was relatively quickly quick. So I'm assuming you you get the information back and then you discuss it with the landlord and feed it to them. Like how do, how do you decide, okay, we get 20 applications and I'm going to send 10 to the homeowner? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it's it's especially important to do it correctly because 
you know, accepting applications is directly tied to um, fair housing laws are, you know, and the federal fair, fair housing laws are, they're pretty strict, surprisingly, and they're out there digging around. And I have a friend, he's not a property management company, but he's a guy who owns some real estate and manages them himself. Actually, my brother-in-law. And he made some mistakes in his screening process and application process. And now he has this big, um, uh, what do you call it? It's an open case with the fair housing, uh, federal fair housing. And it's like this nightmare, you know, but um, to answer your question. Yeah. So um, how we do it is you're supposed to, we're supposed to set a, a guideline of what's an acceptable um, tenant for a property. And then any tenant that comes in the door, or I should say prospect really. So any prospective tenant or prospective resident that, that fills out an application, um, if they pass that bar or test, then there's no reason why you should deny them, right? But if they don't pass it, then they become what we call deniable. So then the question becomes, well, what is your bar? Well, what's the standard? What should that be? So our company standard, you know, it's been kind of uh, tweaked over time. We've been doing this 13 years now. We have a really good idea of what makes a good tenant on paper. So uh, we look at the first thing and the most um, reliable piece of information that is going to tell you something about your tenant is their income. And so you can't you 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 can't just you can't like deny an application on the type of job that somebody has necessarily, but you can based on how much money they make. So we want to see an applicant that their gross monthly income is at least three times the rent, and that will actually do a pretty good job of weeding out people that are unable to pay. Uh, and that's the that's the biggest indicator, Scott. Like if they have if they can show that, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to meet their obligation. Well, I, I remember um, yeah. when I went through the process because I was, you know, back in the day, this is, I was stated income. I'm mm-hmm. since now, you know, I'm on, you know, I, I've put myself on salary, but I think when I was going through that process, so I was having to say, okay, here's my bank statements. Here you go. This yeah. is what I'm making. And it usually wasn't an issue because, you know, they could see all the deposits that were coming in. But I remember when I relocated down here, because I lived, I went to school in the University of Utah and lived up there and had this business for about 10 years. And I remember yeah. when we relocated down here, I'm thinking, how much is rent? You know, it's like, <laughs> how much do I have to show? It's like, that's to me, it was just crazy because if you wanted to rent, a $2,500 place, you basically had to show what 7,500 or, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, it was crazy. Like most people don't make that kind of money. So it yeah. was, it was, it was shocking at first, but uh, now it's just like, yeah, it, it yeah. is what it is. If you want to live that in is, Southern California, that is what it is. So that's our recommendation. So if you don't make three times the rent, then you're what we would call deny a bowl. It means that we can, you, we would be able to deny you, but if we're not getting enough applicants in, and we feel like, hey, this thing's been on the market long enough, and we find a, a situation that we feel is stable, then the property owner can make an exception and say, okay, we're going to go ahead and accept this because we think we just can't get anybody who are meeting that criteria. But most of the tenants that we put in our properties do meet that criteria. So after the next criteria after income is credit. 
So we like to see a credit score of 640 and above. And then we like to see a we like to see two-year job history as well. So yeah, like like you said, proving income, it's not as easy as like, well, yeah, here's how much money I make. You gotta gotta prove it. So if you're self-employed, you know, you can look at 1040s from your tax returns. Um even sometimes then 1040s aren't exactly telling. So if you have to get in nuts and bolts, then we got to go down and look at deposits on bank statements. And So I'm going to throw a curveball at you. What, yeah. what happens if you have a, a, um, a tenant that uh, is in the, the marijuana business? Oh man, that's a good and, question. And uh, they've, they're, they've got all this cash but they don't have any way to show any deposits because we did an inspection. Uh, I won't say which city on the beach, but we went out to do it. It was actually a mold inspection. And when we were in the garage, we see these bill counters and uh, <laughs> I, it, like, not just one, it was a pretty big one. And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like, something's going on here. And then when the guy went to go pay us, he goes, I'll be right back. And he came back with all this cash that he gave us. And then he told us, he goes, well, I'm in the, you know, in the marijuana business. And I'm thinking, you know, I, it's not the first time that I've run across that, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, I've been in several houses where those people have it. And so how would they, I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know if he had bought in that place. I'm, I'm guessing it might've been a rental. So how would they rent something if, if they can't show anything, they just come in yeah. and just plop down a bunch of cash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, so in that situation, you know, they, first of all, they, as long as they're not, you know, growing the marijuana for business purposes in the unit, that type of job, it wouldn't, it wouldn't preclude them from qualifying because they're in that business, right? Like as long as that business is being done outside of the home, because you can't do any, there's limited amounts of business that you can actually do inside the home legally. Right. Um, and that was one that you can't do from inside your home. But if that's their job and they just have, that happens to be their job and they deal all in cash and, you know, unfortunately they would have a hard time proving their income unless they were able to take that cash deposit into a bank and show bank statements. So yeah, we would, any type of just show of cash, we're not like, Hey, open a big bag and show us, <laughs> let us see that money, you know, because we don't know if that's really theirs or whatever the case is. Yeah, so, I just, I'm always curious. They'd have a hard time. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, if they're just staying with their cash and, you know, not filing and not filing tax returns. And as I suspect they probably wouldn't be if they just dealing in hundred percent cash then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be a real tough one for them for sure. Yeah. I'm sure you guys will come across it eventually. Yeah. Um, so with that, go into the maintenance. So when I was with you guys, um, the maintenance was pretty easy. We just basically went online, uh, put in the request for maintenance and, somebody was sent out. So uh, kind of tell us a little bit about that process with you guys. Yeah. You know, for, for the property owner, the maintenance part and the maintenance pieces can be pretty stressful if you're trying to do it on your own, because calls can come in at any time for an emergency type item. And then plus finding the right vendors um, can be tricky, especially now. I mean, you've probably noticed Scott, just like in the last five years, finding skill, like the availability of skilled labor in Southern California has been completely squeezed. Uh, not a ton of skilled labor here anymore. So not a lot of, not a lot of um, great vendors to choose from. 
And even when you do, what do you, think, what do you think happened? What do you think the reason why? Man, it's a good question. I, I, you know, I have some sus- some suspicions, uh, you know, but you know, because I'll just quick side note: we also have an in-house maintenance company. So firsthand, you know, we we hire maintenance professionals for our maintenance company, and and so just we've noticed in the last five years, it's really tough to find qualified maintenance uh, providers, um, and that's so that's been a challenge. So that's you know that's just my experience. But I think my personally, I think that might be that way is because people, uh, kids growing up don't see it maybe as like a viable, um, career, you know? Yeah. They don't want to be on the Apple farm anymore. Yeah. You know, for um, <laughs> but I think it's odd, like, I mean, you know, I have some close relationships with Ben, some of our subcontractors and I'll tell you if there's any young, young, you know, kids that are thinking about a career in X or Y, like, Hey, consider being a plumber, electrician, you're going to make a good living. <laughs> That's what I tell people. I said, don't go to college, go to a trade school, you know, cause sure. they're going to, and start your own business. Cause you're going to make a lot of money. So yeah. I, I, we did this inspection once up in um, Palm Springs. We don't go up there very often, but we had a request for it. And the guy that was selling the property owned a home and, I want to say Costa Mesa or Newport beach. And he had this huge home he was selling and you know, guess what he did? Garage door openers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You could seriously start a garage door opening business, pound away at reviews, get a bunch of reviews and boom, you're on your way to having a successful business because everything's based off of reviews nowadays. You know, that's yeah. the first thing people are looking at and you could be a brand new company. And if you've got, if you're out, you know, if your reviews are more than somebody else, they're going to call you, you know, sure. that's just how it is. So, yeah, that's a good advice for sure. So the next one would be, uh, I'm just kind of going into these things, rent collection. Yeah. I know on the rent collection, there's different, um, maybe there's new ways since uh, I did it. Um, I remember you could either um, set up your what, a check account. You could get your, you know, set it up that yeah. way. You could bring in a check. Um, I don't know if you can still do, I don't know if you can do credit cards, yeah, yeah, good question. So, rent collection, pretty simple part of the business for us. And most of our most of our residents will pay online through the portal, through an online portal that we have set up. Uh, that's nothing special about our company. A lot of companies will offer that. Uh, a cool thing, though, that we that we do um, that we do offer because we do have some residents that are they let their we call them cash payers, even though we don't accept cash here at the office. So a lot of residents are cash payers, right? For some reason, they just love to pay their rent in cash. They want to drive the office. They want to hand it to you. We don't really like that. We don't like dealing in cash. We just say, take your cash, purchase a cashier's check. And they're like, well, we don't have a bank account. So I take my cash and I go and I purchase a money order. You know, you can go to 7-Eleven or MoneyGram or anything. And postal service. Postal service. Yeah. You, but it's think of the hassle. You got to take your cash. You go to the post office. You got to pay the fees, and you got to drive over to my office. It's like it's like a half a day affair for people that want to pay their rent in cash. Some people are passionate about that. So we have this system where a um, a tenant can take their cash and they can just w- walk into um, some of our participating locations, since like such as like Walgreens and 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven is the big one. So they just pay their cash directly to 7-Eleven with this barcode. We print out a barcode on a piece of paper for them and they just keep it in their car. Then they go to 7-Eleven, like that's across the street from their house, instead of driving over to, to, uh, to you know a couple miles to where we are. 
And then they pay 7-Eleven, use their barcode, and then it automatically updates our system and we get the money the next day. So that's pretty cool. We like, we think that's pretty neat. Nice. System. Yeah, I know that I, my company, we, I, I don't even have a physical bank. My bank is a digital federal credit union. It's based in Massachusetts. Yeah. And so I don't, there's not a physical bank. I mean, I, I guess if I needed to go to credit union, I can go to the credit union, but sometimes people will pay us in cash and I don't have a way to deposit that cash. So what I've had to do is every, I mean, I'm at the post office all the time because we mail out our samples. So uh, I'll just, sometimes if I get too much, in the safe, I'll put it in uh, a money order and then deposit it that way. So it's kind of outdated, but I haven't been in a bank for so long because I just, everything's done online nowadays. I deposit our checks online. Everything's done that way. So there's a few times that we do get cash. I, I, I do go through that process, but it usually doesn't take that much because I'll go early in the morning and nobody's in line and I'll just get a couple of thousand dollar money orders and then deposit them electronically. So yeah, I could have you- off to look at that. Yeah. Could you imagine like if we took cash, like, cause rent's so expensive. You're like, you know, just, just if you have like a hundred people pay $2,000 in cash, like, like oh, yeah. well, it's a lot of money flowing around here. So we don't, I'm sure, we don't yeah. deal in that at all. You know? Yeah. We don't, uh, we have certain buyers that always pay cash and, you know, I, I can almost see it coming when I see them, you know, the, yeah. the, there is such a thing as stereotyping and sometimes they just always pay cash. So that's just how it is. So yeah. Next one would be, and I'm glad that we, you know, I, you know, you decided to come on here because you know, I, I'm pretty familiar with your company already because, you know, I went through these processes. So property inspections, I'm assuming that's, you know, to, to verify, um, you know, that the property's in good shape. Sometimes we, so on, on our end as home inspectors, we get people that will buy properties and they're going to rent them out. Uh-huh. or they're going to try to do the property management themselves. If they're trying to do the property management themselves, I always, always, always tell them, you need to check on your property on a regular basis. And I always tell them, I say, the best way to do that without being intrusive is to tell them that you want to change, you need to change out the air filter every yeah, few months. For sure. And that's and I tell them, I said, that's a good way to get in and get a good glimpse of the property. Otherwise you'll never get in there, you know, and they're yeah. always going to be suspicious. And so, that's what I always tell people that are going to buy a property and try to manage them themselves. And I tell them, I said, you have to get in here and check these properties because from our experience, we always see leaks that they just don't get, you know, they just don't get reported to the landlord because then they got to go, Oh, I got to clean my place up. I don't want the landlord in here. They just rather, rather let it leak. And there's a bucket underneath the sink. So how do you guys handle the property inspections? Yeah, no, that's funny that you mentioned all that. But yeah, so we call them inspections, Scott, but it's not, of course, it's not an inspection like, like you guys would do, right? Our property inspections are done by a licensed inspector. It's a different, um, you're getting a different product, obviously, with what you would provide for as a home inspection as to what we provide for our, what we call our property inspection, right? So our, our property inspection is every six months we go inside the property and we do a pretty quick review. And a lot of that is just talking to the resident and where we get a lot of information because a lot of residents, they, there'll be a problem, but they just won't mention it or, you know, or they won't see it. So we can go in, we go through, we look through the property, we look under the sinks, we look for leaks. And then we talk to the resident, they give us some information about what's been happening. We ask a few targeted questions about how certain things are working in the home to make sure that things are, are going well, but it's dead on what you said about if you're going to have a hard time getting the property, that's, I can tell you 
got some experience there because yeah, um, that's the way that we get in to do our inspections is we say, Hey, we're going to go and we're going to change the air filter. So we go in and we change the air filter in the property. Um, and then while we're there, we do an inspection. And I think it's interesting too, because a lot, some of some newer property owners, you know, they maybe not have a lot of experience dealing with a resident. They'll buy a property and they'll be like, well, it's my property. I can go in anytime I want to. It's like, well, you know, yes and no. Yes, it's your property. Can you go in every time you want to? No, because you don't have possession of the property anymore. And they have a lease saying that they have possession. And they're like, well, we, we can give them, we can give notice to enter, right? Yes, you can give notice to enter, but you have to do it properly. There's some guidelines on how to do that. But I think most importantly is there's a little thing like I I think that property owners sometimes forget is customer service to your resident. Uh, I think you got to look in terms of say, listen, this, this tenant who's living in this property, they're not just this person that's living in my property and paying my rent. This is my customer. Like they're paying the mortgage or a piece of the mortgage. I need to treat this person like a customer. And it's a different mentality. And in the second a property owner starts treating their resident like a customer, things get better for everybody, right? Yeah. So when you have a, a customer living in your property, if you're banging on their door every month and say, let me go in, that's not good customer service. No, no, they're going <laughs> to you know? be leaving in the middle of the night. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, we do inspections every six months. We take photos of the property. We send it to our client. That way they can get a feel and say, hey, here's what it looks like inside. And they feel a little more comfortable with the situation. Yeah. Um, all right. Then the next one be uh, financial reporting. So I'm assuming that's just reports that you're, um, yeah. the landlords can go in and look at. Statements. Yeah. You know, we provide them with all the statements that they need. Um, uh, we help if there are a lot of times their ta- our clients, tax professionals will have some questions. And so we can interact with their tax professionals and give them some information. Um, you know, I guess the financial reporting that's near and dear to my heart, that's where I, I actually started my career working for a CPA firm. And um, so getting all that correct and making sure the financial information is is accurate and quick is pretty important to us here. Good. Yeah. Next one, I think will probably uh, be on for a while and it, evictions. Oh, so yeah. you mentioned it earlier about uh, with this pandemic, I, you know, I'm always curious because you see it on the news, you see it where they're, you know, halting evictions or they're, um, what's the deadline now, September that they've, that they're proposing. Um, how does, yeah. how, how does, how does the landlord, one, you know, you understand the reason why. I mean, no, if people are out of work, that's no fault of their own because nobody knew that this was going to happen. Um, I mean, even people that have the required, what is it, six months savings? that you're, that they tell you to have. I mean, that was long gone four or five months ago. If you, even if you had that, and if you're still out of work, luckily, you know, my business, we've been, you know, gangbusters since I think about two months, we were probably slow, you know, when this pandemic all hit because nobody knew what was going on. And then all of a sudden, bam, the market just took off. And we've just been nonstop busy since then because people were moving, you know, they want to get into a bigger house. They want a backyard because they don't want to be in a condo anymore. But 
these landlords to have these properties that, you know, they're not able, they're not getting paid on. How are they able to keep these properties? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's kind of a lot to talk about here, but, you know, I know right when the pandemic hit, a lot of landlords were pretty, pretty concerned about (laughs) whether or not they were going to get their rent and how that was going to work out. Um, You know, from where we are now in February, 2021, it's turned out, at least for the properties that we manage in Orange County, um, has been has been great. Um, we we have had a significantly more a significantly higher amount of default in rent, uh, but not uh, as big as it could have been, or not and not as as impactful as I thought it would be. Um, so you know we manage about 800 properties uh, most of them are homes and condos and out of those 800 properties we've had 40 that have had some difficulty which is up you know <laughs> quite a bit you know uh, to what we we normally experience but um out of those 40 our approach was you know the property management industry kind of got together and we we all kind of and we all know each other and we said, okay, what are we going to do? Like we, you, if you can't evict people, you know, how do we handle this? And so our industry as a whole, I kind of taken this and done the same thing. We've just said, Hey, we're going to try to work out payment plans with residents that are struggling. So step one, if a resident is struggling, like I understand, like it's not uh, some of this stuff, it's not their fault. Like they're in an industry that got impacted. They've probably been paying their rent on time. Yeah. Since the beginning. And then all of a sudden, bam, they just lost their job. Yeah. It's like, has nothing, it just has nothing to do with them. It's the industry that they were in. So yeah, they, Hey, Hey, you know what? I, I'm unable, I'm unable to pay my rent payment. So we, we say, okay, well let's investigate. And then we have a process where they kind of show us what the impact of the pandemic was upon their job. And then we work out a lower payment for them for a certain time period. And we've had a really a lot of success with people meeting their obligations with some of these um, payment plans. And then even people that have been, that have caught up. So we've had people that we, we've lowered, let's say that we knock $500 off their rent and then for five months. So now they have kind of back rent owed, if you will, of $2,500. And we've had tenants that have, come back and paid that. Um, so been pretty surprised at uh, how well our payment plans have worked. And then we've had situation, a few situations where there's just, they can't, they can't pay their rent and they haven't been able to come back. And in those situations, it's, it's really unfortunate for the property owner because the property owner doesn't have any recourse. So normally a property owner could do an, an unlawful detainer action, which is just the legal name for an eviction, right? So we would do our eviction or unlawfully detainer and we would get that tenant out of the property and replace them with a paying tenant. But right now there's a couple federal and mostly state um, laws that have put those on ice. So we, right now you can't really complete an eviction and there's, it's, there's a lot of like fine lines and grays and little things in there that I'm happy to talk about. But basically you can't do an eviction until – June 30th, 2021. And it's probably, it's probably going to get pushed out is what we're thinking until the end of the year. So yeah. those landlords who have a tenant that is unpaying, we can't evict them. So the 
best course of action for those property owners to go back to their lender and trying to get some type some type of leniency from their lender. And if their if their loan is a, you know a government loan or a Freddie Ma, a, Fre, a Freddie Mac or Fed, yeah, Fannie Mae loan, uh, then th- they actually can get um, some forgiveness um, on their payment. And I truly believe it's not forgiveness. What's happening is that their payments are being restructured. And so they're um, not paying payments for a certain amount of time. And those payments are getting added onto the back of the loan. But every lender is doing something a little bit differently. Some lenders aren't doing anything. And that property owner is going to probably have to foreclose on the home. But foreclosures are also <laughs> at a stop. So uh, the bank are going to be left empty-handed as well when they try to foreclose. So Yeah, I've noticed yeah. that uh, we, because we do property inspections on multifamily, not my favorite to do because, you know, we get into a unit that's 10 units and it's like you got to deal with 10 different tenants. We had one in Anaheim or maybe it was Orange where it was scheduled to go out and do the inspection. And about three days before, um, the buyer goes or sends us an email and says, oh, we've got three tenants in there that's got COVID and we need to reschedule. I'm like, nope, no problem. You know, we're not going to go in there. And um, so, but we have seen an uptick on multi-unit inspections. And I'm just curious, maybe that's why. Maybe these tenants or these landlords are just, I got to sell it. I got to get rid of it because I'm not able to, uh, you know, make my payments because the tenants aren't paying me. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely a possibility. If, if, the, if, they're, if the lender isn't giving them any type of leniency and they don't, what choice do they have? They, they have to sell it or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the last one would be my reason alone. If I was a landlord to hire a property management company would be the legal guidance of not having to deal with all that stuff with the evictions. So I'm assuming you guys handle all that kind of stuff or does the landlord have to be involved at some point? No, no, we do it all. We show up to court and everything's for an eviction and, yeah, we handle that whole thing. Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I think that's a big pain point for for landlords, like the fear of having to do an eviction. Um, you know, I think the reality, Scott, is that there's not like a lot. We don't do a ton of evictions. Most people pay their rent. But I, I, I think like most of the legal complexity isn't necessarily in, with the eviction that landlords need to worry about. Most of the complexity and the issues that you know, landlords run into is just how they treat the tenant, um, like fair housing laws, habitability laws, or what, when most of our clients get into trouble with, um, not fixing things that they thought they didn't need to fix. And turns out the city will nail you pretty hard if you don't fix that item and how to handle unique situations. Like we talked about with mold, like how do you handle that correctly and avoid a lawsuit at all costs because my experience is any type of loss. If you're a landlord and you get into a lawsuit, I don't care if you're right, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> you're always yeah. wrong because yeah. I are you never win. I've never seen a landlord really win against a tenant, even for the most like clearly, very clearly um, uh, situations where the, land, the landlord is right. 
you're still wrong. So that's why I tell landlords, uh, you're, you're wrong no matter what in California. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I've been doing this long enough where I'm thinking, I don't know if I could be a landlord from the stuff that I see out there. Maybe, maybe Airbnb, I could handle that, but I, those are, those are all changing as well. I'm sure. Yeah. And just the recent new passing of just, you know, put into law this year is the AB 1482, which is rent control through California. So the new rent control laws are pretty complex and how they how do you apply them and when you can have a tenant move out of a property and paying for moving expenses under certain situations. And yeah, there's a lot kind of involved there, uh, which I wouldn't want to be. So I'd say for, for us landlords, hey, it's, it's not good. But for property management companies, the complexity of it actually gives us value, you know? Oh, yeah. So I hate to say that, like, but- it's true. Like we understand how to, how to navigate it. And, um, so uh, I, and I don't see it back. I don't see California backing off anytime soon on, 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 uh, how much they're going to put on landlords and the rules and, and how I think it's just going to get worse personally. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think we got a good idea of yours, uh, your company. Um, couple questions personally. Um, what are your hobbies? Like, what do you, what do you like to do when you're out of, uh, work? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Uh, so I have, I'm married, I'm married. I have three daughters, uh, one and 13. She just turned 13. I guess that sounds weird. I have a teenager at home now. I don't feel that old. <laughs> oh, your troubles are just beginning. Yeah. And uh, then I have a, a nine-year-old and then a three-year-old. And then so uh, that surprisingly, I call it my, I call it my second job. So when I leave work, I said, oh, guess I got to go to my other job at home. <laughs> no, I love the kids and the family. Uh, so there's that. But for hobbies, um, you know, both. So the, the company is owned by myself and our the co- other co-owners named Bryant and him and I over the last 13 years, we've become like really good friends because we sit next to each other and we work through all this stuff together. So uh, we both enjoy surfing. So we're big surfers. We like to surf a lot. And then during the winter, we, lo- we love to go snowboarding and my kids ski. So we do that. And then um, just recently during the pandemic, though, um, I have a friend who, who got me into uh, dirt bike riding. And so I had never thought I would do something like that because it seemed like way too dangerous. But um, I feel like uh, he talked me into it. And so I've been kind of making my way through that and trying not to get hurt. So that's my newest fun thing that I've been been playing with lately. Yeah. When you mentioned snowboarding um, last week, uh, we flew into uh, Jackson Hole. Yeah. And we, we'd had it planned for about a month. And I just kept looking at the snow reports and I'm like, there's no snow, there's no snow. You know, the mountains just weren't getting snow. Yeah. So on Thursday, when we flew in, uh, I took a direct flight from LAX into Jackson. We got all the way to Jackson. They turned us around, diverged to Salt Lake because of the storm that hit. Yeah. They got a foot of snow, but yet we couldn't get there because the airport was closed because Jackson they're, you know, during the wintertime, they've got those big jumbo jets that are coming in there and that airport's small. You get any kind of snow on that airport and they, they don't have enough room to, to stop. Oh, and they're just dang. skid right off. And yeah. so diverted us back to uh, Salt Lake for six hours and then they reattempted it. And so I did get in. 
Um, but uh, it was worth it because of the foot of snow that we had, and it oh, was it was a great time. So we got in um, Thursday night and then came back on Sunday. So it was it was a good trip. So if you haven't gone up there yet, you know, highly recommend it for snowboarding. It's a quick flight too; it's not that far. So yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, you know, I, I we 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 have the icon passes. So you, we, we can get in there, um, with our icon pass. Um, and I've been wanting to go, but it just seems so far. I've been a little like, you know, it's not that bad direct flight. It was, it was in and out. So it was pretty on the way back. I did connect through Salt Lake, which took a little bit longer, but it was fine. Uh, so the other question that I've been asking everybody right now is, um, what, uh, during the pandemic, everybody had something that they were going to start or they were going to learn. Um, is there anything that you wanted to do or wanted to learn that you, that you never did do it? So yeah. for example, me, I wanted to learn, I wanted to learn Spanish. I still haven't learned it. Yes. You know, you're thinking you're going to have all this time. And I think if yeah. we weren't working every day, like we, you know, have been, I probably would have had more time for it. But you know, those first two months, I'm like, I'm going to learn Spanish. I got the Duolingo app out. I'm ready to go. And it still, still hasn't happened yet. So is there anything that you had planned on doing? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was, uh, I, I, I had taken an interest in, um, in, in, uh, investing and trading stocks. And so I'm, and I'm the worst at it. And so I, because I was just doing it casually and I was like, well, now I have some time to really figure this out. And, you know, you look, look at the news. Some of these guys are making all this money and blah, 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 you know? And so, yeah, it turned out that it's probably not the best idea because I don't, I'm not very good at it. And don't stay really away from Robin hood. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, it was interesting. Um, is there a podcast that you listen to that you like to that you can refer somebody to? Cause that's been something, you know, you get that question a lot where somebody says, what's a good book that you've read. My question is, is have you found a good podcast that you like to listen to? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts and I, you know, very common. A lot of people like this American life. That's a pretty good one for entertainment. And then um, I liked uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast. I thought that one was pretty cool. Uh, but main, I've been mostly into audiobooks lately. Yeah. So you can find me mostly plugging into an audiobook and trying to uh, get entertained that way in, just in the last couple of months. Yeah, I do. Two of the ones that I like are one's Market Watch. It's an NPR one. Okay. Uh, and then um, there's one that's called Planet Money. Oh. And it's an NPR one as well. And uh, I think the last one that they did, it was on that Robin Hood. Uh, oh, really? Kind of explain that whole process because you hear it in the news. I, I really haven't been paying much attention to the news. Um, you know, it's a lot quieter now that we have a new leader in the country. It's not so in your face all the time. So it's been nice for that. Yeah. Um, but they, um, uh, there was one that was a while ago back during Christmas because Christmas trees, I don't know if you remember, but Christmas trees were so expensive this year yeah. and they actually delved into the reason why Christmas trees were so expensive. And you would never have known unless they, this podcast, and it's, it's actually a really good one. So check it out. It's called Planet Money. And then there's one that's called Market Watch and they're both done by NPR and uh, they're half hours. So they're pretty good ones. But um, the one that they did on the um on the Robin hood that I listened to this morning was pretty good because they actually used the app, bought some stock, and then they explained how that process works where Robin hood doesn't charge any money. So if they don't charge any money, how are they getting paid? 
and how they got paid and the yeah. delay in the transaction is what caused all this these issues that are happening with the yeah. game cast or whatever that and they do like this don't they do doesn't rob do like the stocks this the share splitting or something like that too I, some, I what know. they do is from what they were explaining was that when you when you put in a stock when you buy a stock it's actually you're not actually purchasing it for two days there's there's that two-day lag of yeah. of when you've purchased it to where you actually own it and so there's something that broke down in between those where you had all these reddit users that were buying all the stock but there was such a delay that it wasn't real-time stock trading interesting so yeah, yeah if you go to planet money and look I'm at the i'm gonna have Hood, to go read i'm gonna yeah, check yeah it's so it's they i mean it's not just about money it's just you know like like i said they did that one on robin hood they did the one on christmas trees where they actually these two guys they went in there and christmas trees are spot and sold just like cattle you go to a big you know all these guys that have these christmas tree lots around the neighborhood yeah um, they actually go and buy those like they're buying cattle they go to a christmas a big christmas tree farm and there's like big bundles of christmas tree and they're checking them out you know looking at them and you know the the the, the values of the piles are different prices and uh they they showed that whole process on on how how christmas trees are bought and sold just like anything else it's just like a commodity so yeah, pretty interesting. So it's, it's a, it's a good podcast. So, all right. I think that would be the end of it. I think we ran just a little bit long, but I just wanted to appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some good insight on property management. I think this would be some useful information for uh, homeowners, uh, landlords, realtors that you're probably working with. I'm sure that, you know, you guys are have to be licensed realtors, right? Oh, yeah, to be able definitely. to do this stuff. Yep. Um, so uh, anybody that's out there that uh, is looking for some property management, um, give Kyle a call over at True Property Management. Do you have uh, a, you know, you want to go over your website, uh, your phone number and uh, your social media that you're on? Sure. Just yeah. Yeah. Check us out at our website, truedoorpm.com. Phone number is 714-899-2200. And in, you just search Trudor Property Management on Facebook. You can see our our uh, Facebook page there and able to check out. We post mostly vacant properties that are up for rent and get a feel for what we have out there. All right. We'll appreciate it. Well, thanks, yeah, thanks everybody for joining. For more information on how Signature Home Inspection can provide you with the right information about your home before buying or selling, contact us at SignatureMore.com.